Welcome to Dominion Sonship Life. Here we go, here we go. And uh, glory be to God. He's so faithful to always give a lead. He's so faithful to lead at all times and to navigate us in the utterance that he has for us. For every single moment, he's faithful to speak to us. He's faithful to look after us because through his speaking, he's keeping us through his speaking, his leading us through his word. He is demonstrating his mighty triumph towards us and through us. And so today we have another message. And I actually thought last Sunday as I wrapped up and I went through the um, book of Revelation verses and overcoming, we looked at the seven churches and then we looked uh, in some other verses in the book of Revelation where he used the word overcome uh, to conquer. That I thought that section of teaching was done, but this morning he he's continuing the theme. And of course, this is a never ending moment. This is what he has communicated to us. It's what we're really charged to do to overcome. We charge as Paul charged Timothy, his spiritual son, to wage the good warfare, the good fight of faith to really, it means to overcome. And so we had looked at in Second Corinthians, was it? Let me just leave over there. Yeah, Second Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we know that there is a good, a good fight of faith. And so to walk by faith is not without a challenge. But these challenges have really brought our way to be overcome. These challenges are not to really uh, make us sink and to overthrow us and to make us lose our ground and, and go and shrink back into perdition. But these challenges are really to, to promote us, to encourage us, to, 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 to be always ever mindful, to bring to remembrance that we are to be in a forward press, not looking back because we looked uh, in the words of Jesus, that the one that looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. But we are to keep hands on the plow and to keep plowing for the kingdom of God. And that looks like overcoming. That looks like overcoming. And then we spend a lot of time in um, 1 John 5. We looked at the words here in verse 4. For whatever is born of God, for the whosoever born of God, the one that's born of God overcomes the world. So your new birth in Christ means you are an overcomer. The just walking and living by faith means you live in perpetual victory over the world. Because you tell us here, as, the, as we continue this verse, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith our faith and so last week or the week before we could say you could put an equal sign walking by faith means walking in victory walking by faith means overcoming 
Walking by faith means pure triumph. Walking by faith means you are in dominion always at all times over every situation. Because what does it mean to be in faith? What does it look like to be in faith? What is it to be in faith? It is to hearken unto the word of God. Goes back to how it opened. He is faithful to speak and to lead us through his word. He is faithful to communicate the triumph of Christ. He is faithful to take you out of every snare. And he is faithful to provide the way out of that which wants to ensnare and trap you, keep you down. Keep you down. We can't be kept down. Can't be kept down. We're upward. We're forward. We are of God. So let's go to... Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. That's where we're going to start, Hebrews 4. So this morning he gave me a title, and he gave me a title as I was going through my old prayer notes. It come out of a prayer moment. And, and it was back in March 21, 2023. And in prayer, it had come out nothing Nothing cannot be overcome when we rest in you, God. Nothing cannot be overcome when we rest in you, God. Actually, it's an utterance that came through my husband in prayer. Nothing cannot be overcome when we rest in you, God. It's so neat because a month later I started teaching on overcoming that he was leading me in this way. So the title for today is to rest in God is to overcome. What is your assurance of overcoming a moment? What is your confidence of knowing that you overcome it, that you're going to make it? It is a state of resting in that which he has said. Because faith is a rest, a staying put in the word of God, a stilling of oneself to trust that which he has said. And when we do that, we've entered into the rest of faith, and then we know for sure we have overcome the moment. We are now walking on the water, and nothing is being surveyed but the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep beholding the living God. Keep beholding the living word because this living word is birthing faith in you. And this persuasion of faith puts you in a place of rest, a trust that if God be for me, who can be against me? But it doesn't mean you take your little self and go down the carnal way and flesh out and satisfy the appetite of the flesh and say, you know what? I'm okay. God is for me. God opposes sin. God opposes a carnal mindset because the carnal mindset is an enemy to God. And so when I say about 
to rest in God is to overcome. There is a militancy. There is a girding of your of the loins of your mind. There is a sobriety of mind as we looked at, I think it was a couple of weeks from 1 Peter 1.13. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Be vigilant. You do have an adversary. The devil. A deceiver, a master deceiver that works with deceptive senses of a fallen humanity. You carnal self. You can't trust your carnal self, but you can trust the word of God. And don't go look, find a little scripture for yourself to cop out and, and flesh out. But come back to Hebrews 4, 1. Let's read. Therefore, and this is because if you read verse 3, you understand why he's saying therefore. You understand that in chapter 3, he talks about the Israelites that God spoke to. That they actually heard the voice of God. They were given Moses. They brought forth the word of God to them. And what happened? Did they walk in victory? Did they overcome the old mindset? No, they did not. Why? Because they refused to believe the word of God. And so just because you're sitting in a camp, or in a moment where, you know, you're listening to messages, listening to Christian messages, you're listening to your local pastor, you're sitting in your local church. And don't take it for granted. You're actually standing and, and walking the walk of faith. The walk of faith comes from the hearkening of the word of God. It comes from this meditation of the word of God. It comes from this assurance of your heart to be fully persuaded by that which God has said. No matter who the vessel is that he speaks through. And so in chapter 3 in the book of Hebrews, what a sobriety. In verse 12 he says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. And look what an evil heart of unbelief does, departing from the living God. And yet they were the Israelites that God had spoken to them. In verse 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 11. He says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. See, in the day of trial in the wilderness, his voice is clear to us. And don't pretend you don't hear his voice. If you're part of his flock, his sheep, you hear his voice. And the habitual reading of the Bible, the word of God, brings forth an astuteness of you to discern the true shepherd's voice versus deceptive voices, a stranger's voice that you're not supposed to follow. And so... They tested the Lord in the time when they needed the Lord the most. In a day of trial in the wilderness, they tested the Lord. 
When they saw his works, they tested the Lord. They let it all go. Why? Because they looked back. They reminiscent. They thought about it. How good it was to eat whatever. Back in bondage, they went. From whence they were delivered, they went back. In their minds. And so it provoked the Lord, and the Lord said, They always go astray in their heart. Take note of where you go astray. You can pretend with your words. We can all hear you and, and, and think, oh, strong Christian. The Lord knows our hearts. And with our hearts, we are loyal to God because the word of faith lives in our heart and his word is always faithful to him. He is the word made flesh. Jesus was found faithful to the Father's command. He said to them, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Though they'd seen the deliverance, though they'd seen the plagues and how God kept them in the midst of plagues, calamity, yet they did not perceive the matter of love he had towards them to rescue them, that he is a faithful God and that which he says he brings to pass. And so he swore in his wrath, they'll not enter my rest, although the promise of rest was given to them. The promise of rest was given to them. That's why the word says the traditions of men, they are now the word of God. That which you meditate, if it's not based on the word of God, it will deviate you away from truth. And that's why he says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is highly deceptive. And you start playing the little game of sin before you know it. Your heart is so hard. You've so walked away from the truth of the word of God that you're so deceived. You still think you're walking with God. But the, the Lord says here that their hearts have strayed away, departed from him. Look at verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Hold firm to the end. Uh, just a little higher up here in, in uh, the same chapter in verse, verse 6, he finishes off that Christ is a son over his own house whose house we are 
if I've circled if, I've circled if, and then I've highlighted if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, firm to the end, firm to the end, firm to the end. The keeping up this confidence in him that we had in the beginning to the very end. To the very end. And, and this is really, this is really what this walk of faith is about. To keep on keeping on. To keep on triumphing over it. To keep on overcoming. How? When we believe the word of God. Because that's what faith is. Faith alone has overcome the world. Not your positive confession of how good you are, of how good you can be. But when your confession is based on the word of God, now that's a Christ confession. That's what he says, you say. Faith believes in the heart and speaks out of the mouth. And that is what has overcome the world. Look at verse 16. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? The wages of sin is death. It's death. It's death. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So, so, I've highlighted this, so we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. So when we're in unbelief, what does it look like to be in unbelief? To doubt the word of God. To doubt that if he be for you, who can be against you? To doubt that when you trust God, you've overcome the world. To doubt that all things are going to work out for your good and for his glory because you are called according to his purpose, because you love the Lord. The challenge to believe the voice of God that's found in the Word of God. That's why this warfare is found here in the mindset. That though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. But what do we do? We Bring down, we strip down, we, 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 we bring into subjection every thought, every thought that is saying no to the word of God. I'll never make it. I'll never have enough. I'll always be at the very end somewhere lost, floundering. I can never get my act together. Everyone seems to be excelling, not me. Lies. 
lies. And that is not what overcomes the world. That's how you're under it. The world has overcome you with its lies. And so then we start and see why he says, therefore, since a promise remains, Hebrews 4.1, of entering his rest, look at this, let us fear, say what God? Is it important for you to enter the rest of God? Yes, it is. He just gave us a whole chapter of those who refused to enter his rest and they rebelled against God, displeased the Lord, and their corpses were scattered in the wilderness, which was supposed to be their place of triumph, a place where they were, they were being shaped to enter into the promised land. What is the shaping? Believe the one who's led you this way. Believe the one that says, I'm going to take you out to bring you in. Believe. Believe God today. Believe God today. He gave me a fancy name, but it's not fancy when you realize this is the word of God. To rest in God, it's not a cliche. To rest in God is to overcome. It is to overcome. They did not enter because of unbelief. What are you tolerating in your mind? What are your little hands engaged in? Where are your little feet taking your little eyes going? The word says, if something is causing you to sin, cut it off. Because it's highly deceptive. And it leads to a hardened heart. It leads to a departure from the living God. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the shepherd, this great shepherd, the overseer of our soul, that is always leading us back, back, back into the green pastures, back by those still waters, reminding us of his love, reminding us of his mercy, reminding us of his faithfulness towards us, bringing to remembrance how he led us out of a moment and how he triumphed over another moment. Don't let go of your confidence that you had in him in the beginning. To the very end, hold firm. Hold firm your confidence in God. He says, Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word, the word that he spoke, the word that was taught them, that was preached to them, the word which they heard, they did hear, they were in a place where they could hear with their outer ear. But nevertheless, though they heard it with the outer ear, it did not profit them. So it's not just Hearing, like hearing, hearing a message with your outer ear. We talk about the hearing of faith, where it's bringing conviction, it's bringing persuasion to step up and believe him. It did not profit them not being mixed with faith. Not being mixed with faith. 
See, when the word is being taught, when you're reading his word, when the Holy Spirit is communicating truth, and it's always, it's always in accord to the word of God. It's always in accord with that which he's been shepherding you up to this moment. He is not haphazard. He doesn't suddenly change and veer off course. He doesn't just go back and forth. And I think a few weeks ago I talked about how people have used this, the testing of Abraham and Isaac, sacrificing Isaac. Your, te- your faith will be tested. But that's only to make it stronger, firmer to the end. To temper you to overcome and come down that mountain with Isaac, the promise of God. The call of God for you to walk out to the very end. Not to sacrifice the call of God or the promise of God. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So when we hear, we are accountable to receive his word with no opposition. No, no, yeah, but it was so much better over there. Yeah, but I don't know about this word, God. Yeah, but I know a little better. Yeah, but my experience is different, God. Yeah, but I've got a family history of this, God. Yeah, but God, you know, generational this God and that God. Yeah, but God. Yeah, but God. If God says by his stripes you are healed, you are healed. If God says that he is for you and not against you, he is for you. If God says he loves you, then he loves you. If God says he's got a plan for you, then he's got a plan for you. And that plan is easily found in Romans 8, to be conformed to the image of Christ. That means mind renewal, transformation from glory to glory. And that is daily picking up your cross and walking the narrow walk. Don't look for an earthly ease to lay down your head somewhere. On the little pillow, someone give me a little pillow so I, I rest from this weary walk of Christ. Absolutely not. We just read what has overcome the world, even our faith, and those that are born of God have overcome the world. And then later on in 1 John chapter 5, in verse 5, he says, who is the one that's overcome the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's it. You've overcome the world. But to believe that Jesus is the Son of God is really to believe the one whom God sent and that which he spoke to us. To do his commandment. If we say we love him, we are doers of the word of God. And so, because we don't want it that which we hear, the messages that we hear, for them not to profit us. To be forgetful hearers, to walk away from the mirror of the word of God and to forget what we just heard. And to go on our merry little ways and check off, yeah, I heard the message today, I'm all good. The message that we hear today 
It is to bring forth a mind renewal, a shaping, a conformity of triumph and unto triumph. Let's look at the word profit. That the word that they heard did not profit them. That word the NIV says is of it that message that they heard was of no value to them. The New Living says it did them no good. No profit. The English Standard Word it says the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. They were not united in one accord. Like we saw them in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And today I believe it's Pentecost Sunday. Ooh, be united with that which he says. The, um, let me look at the strongs of that word. Mm -hmm. For we also received the good news just as they did, but the message that they heard was of no value to them since they did not share the faith of those who comprehended it. So there will be some that hear and receive with the hearing of faith, and there will be others who will not hear with the hearing of faith. And what he's communicating, be of those united with those that hear with the hearing of faith. And for those Israelites back in the wilderness when they were being tested, they were supposed to be united with that which Joshua and Caleb had heard of God through the man Moses. Does it matter who you fellowship with? Yes, it does. And so this word, the message they heard was of no value, no value. It's the 5623. It did not help them, was of no benefit. It did them no good. When I read that, actually, what I thought about is all the verses we read in the book of Revelation that was given to those who overcome. What the, the prophet that came when you overcome. Was it a prophet to those churches to have heeded his voice and shifted the course of their natural navigation to obey that which he says so they will overcome their moment. The loveless church, the compromising church, the corrupt church to have moved away from that which it was situating itself in, corruption, deception, the dead church, Faithful church, even there he speaks to them. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. That sounds like a benefit. That sounds like a prophet. 
to make the pillar in the temple of our God. The lukewarm church, verse 21, chapter 3, he says, To him who overcomes, I'll grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Take note, when we talk about overcoming, we're always talking about the just living by faith. Which means believing the word of God to the persecuted church, he said. In chapter 2, verse 11, he who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. What is the victory is overcome? The world and all that's in the world. The damnation in the world and that's of the world. Faith in God. Faith in God. In chapter 12, of course, we know, we looked at that one as well last week in verse 11. How do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, come in agreement with that which he has done for us on the cross, coming in agreement with the word of God, thus says the Lord, the word of their testimony. And then here we go. They did not love their lives to the death. You reckon this old man dead and you follow solely after the good shepherd. I speak these things to you as much as I speak to myself. What times we're living in. Where all of us have options to quit. All of us have options to just sit and park and do nothing. Pity ourselves. Mingle with the world. And forsake this firmness of a hold that we have on the Word of God. Because this firmness of a hold means a complete death to a carnal self. In 21, we looked as well, chapter 21, the book of Revelation, verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. He who is found in faith, he who rejects unbelief, he who has entered into the rest of faith, he who is feared lest he fall short of this hearing of faith. He who is found in this forward race of faith. He who knows is in a warfare and is bringing down, taking captive every thought that's negating the truth of the word of God. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I'll be his God, and he shall be my son. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew 16. Yeah. Convicting verses here. Verse 24, right, right after Peter is corrected by the Lord. 
and, and, and Jesus speaking to Peter is addressing Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You're, you're an offense to me. This is 16 Matthew verse 23. You're an offense to me for you're not mindful. You're not mindful of the things of God. You're not mindful of the word of God that's bringing faith, producing faith. You're not mindful of being in agreement with that which I say, Peter. And therefore, we heed to false doctrines and doctrines of demons and deceptive lies. Because we become mindful of the things of man. And on the heels of that, we see Verse 24 comes in. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny myself and take up his cross and follow me. Can I say that sounds like being mindful of the things of God and not the things of man? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Always the same verses I read, it seems like. We need to be encouraged to exhort one another while it's called today. Lest we fall in the deceptiveness of sin and veer off course thinking we're just good, just fine with God. God gets us. He knows the frailty of my flesh. So I know what I can just give into my flesh. So what he says here. Hey, this is verse 26. The same word profit is here. Value of what value is it? What good does it do? For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Gains the whole world and loses his own soul, which if I pair it with 1 John 5, 4, about overcoming, being born of God, faith overcoming the world, it means that this one chose to what? Walk in unbelief. That when they were hearing the message of the gospel, they did not mix it with faith. It didn't profit them. So what profited them was the world. Yeah, the world is accepting of everything. But God's way is narrow. It is the way of the cross that leads to life. That leads to life, resurrection life. Leads to resurrection life. For what profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's go to Timothy, 2 Timothy. Actually, on the way, John, John 6, John 6. Talking about profit, the same word profit that I just read in the Strong's here. The five, six, two, three. John.
In John 6, it is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. So when we walk in the flesh, we're gaining the world, but forsaking, forsaking eternal life, forsaking truth, forsaking our Lord. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, the words that he speaks to us, the words I speak to you, what their spirit and their life. And only, only through these words do you enter into faith that takes you into rest, that confirms and assures you of great victory over the world. Even our faith has overcome the world. This faith that comes by hearing the words that he speaks that are words of life, spirit words of life. That when we heard these spirit words of life, we believed them. 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 And that belief, that faith is a transformative process. It is really how our mind gets renewed. Because this faith in the word of God that we believe, it's fleshing out unbelief that wants to hinder, hinder this movement of his mind through us. The mind of Christ is the mind of dominion. Second Timothy Let's go to 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. 16. We we'll see here what profits us. All scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture. The word that he speaks to us, that is spirit and life, is given by inspiration of God. This word is God-inspired. We are to revere the God-inspired word of God. This is God-inspired. And yes, the word says, no, it's not. They think they know better. But Jesus says that the flesh that they know so well, the world that is, profits for nothing. But the spirit gives life. The spirit that has inspired this word of God, this word alone gives your life. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. This is the adjective of the verb we read, prophet. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, that the man of God may be complete, complete in Christ. This is how you complete when you hear the words of life. They fit in and they satisfy. They fit in and they bring you out of a snare. They come in and they quicken your mortal body and affirm to you that you're the loved child of God. You're coming through this moment. You're coming through. Don't stay here. Move. Move with the movement of the Spirit. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. In, um, since we Paul to Timothy, in chapter, in 1st Timothy, in 1st Timothy, Chapter 4. Let's look at verse 6. If you, this is Paul to Timothy, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. What are these good things that he wrote here in the beginning of this chapter 4? He says, Now the Spirit expressly says, that in the latter time, some will what? Depart from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons where you just find the way you're at. God gets you. You're fully accepted in Christ the way you are. Stay messed up in your mind. Therefore, messed up in your life. No. He does accept us to come in, to come into this furnace of the word of God, to hammer, to hammer through the word that's a true hammer, the hardness of our heart away from us, to mold us in this furnace of the fire of God, to be conformed to the image of Christ, that our faith will be pure and tested through fire. Lest we go, by the wayward way, heeding deceptive spirits, departing from the faith, heeding to doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And it just continues. So, so then in uh, verse 4, For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And so here we come into verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. To instruct them. To instruct them that which the Spirit of God was expressly saying that in the latter hour there'll be great deception. We are in this hour right now. The good minister of Jesus Christ nourished in the words of faith. Nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives fables, old stories. Traditions of men. And exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. Here's the word profit. But godliness is what? Profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach. To this end, he said, Paul and Timothy labored and suffered reproach, highly persecuted. Because we trust in the living God. When you trust in the living God, there'll be high persecution, great reproach. Trusting in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. When you believe, you're saved. Saved from the trouble of this evil, perverse generation. Saved into the keeping power of eternal life that now lives in you. These things command and teach. Therefore, if we go back to John one more verse just flashed through. John 6, I believe it is again. I'll read it. I don't have to leave if you don't want to. John 6, Jesus being questioned. Okay. Um, John 6, 26. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Flesh. Flesh. Wants a thrill as well. And the spiritual does throw the flesh. But we don't seek him for that. We seek him because he bears the words of eternal life that we believe. Do not labor, this is it, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. What is this labor? It's the good fight of faith. It is to labor to enter into the rest, lest we be found in unbelief. Hebrews, what did Hebrews 4 say? Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. And further down in verse 9 of that same chapter, the writer writes, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also seized from his works as God did from him. And so, this earnest movement of our life is really to enter into the rest of faith and not to labor for those things that spoil, that perish, for the food which endures, but we're to work for the work, for the food that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of God will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. And that was John 6, 27. And so they asked him, what shall we do then? that we may work the works of God. Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he sent. This is what pleases God. Faith. Faith. And faith in God overcomes. When you've entered the rest of faith, resting in that which God has said. You have already overcome the world. You're on top of it. You are on top of it. Let's see one more verse, one more verse. Let's go to Galatians 5 and we'll finish with that. Galatians 5. Oh, 
one. Whereafter, he talks about the two covenants. And refers to the one of Hagar and the one of Sarah. The way now of this new covenant where from the Jerusalem that comes from above and is free. Um, therefore not to be entangled again in a, in a, in a yoke of obedience to an external commandment when really the Holy Spirit is within us and the Word of God is being our convict, is our conviction and our unction now that we're to heed to. In chapter five, verse one, he says, therefore, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free has made us free. Why? Because he finished off the chapter before that, that we're not of the bondwoman, but we are children of the free woman. And so because we're children of the free woman, of this, this new covenant that we have in Christ that's based on better promises, we're to stand fast in this liberty, the liberty of faith. But which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, if you become circumcised, if you rely on the old commandments, on the do's and don't do's, that that which you do is going to help you through. If I do the works of faith, whatever they are, the one, two, three formulas I follow, I'm going to make it. We are going to make it because we're hearing the internal voice of the Holy Spirit. Because we're hearing, with the hearing of faith, the Word of God. We're going to make it because we are now of faith. Because we're born of God. That's my assurance. And that the Spirit of the living God will lead me into the works of faith. But they are spirit-born. They're not flesh-made that profit me for nothing, but they are of the Spirit. And so he says to them, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, of course, he's writing to his brethren, the Israelites, but to us as well, because we are now of faith. Born of the free woman. If in, so indeed I, Paul, say to you, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Again, that same word. And so we have choices today. And the choice is that Christ alone is my prophet. That Christ now lives in me. And through the rich abiding of his word in me, I am an overcomer. I am already an overcomer. I have already been born of God and I have already overcome the world. And so I refuse to come under the bondage of the world again. No, I am of God. Glory be to God. That's it for today. Amen. Amen. Amen.